Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again on this wonderful journey that we have been on collectively. I continue to hear your feedback, and it is truly amazing. And however you are listening to this, whether it's through Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for leaving comments, reviews, likes, however you want to show your affirmation for the show. So if you ever want to leave more feedback and want to connect with the show on a more personal basis, feel free to email the show at wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Alrighty, so for this week, this shorter segment that we have been in every other week, I want to talk about something that my young adult group, we, we, we talked about this past week and we've mentioned it a few other times in the last few years, but we focused on the topic of sin, and in particular, some sins that are more acceptable, quote-unquote, in the church, and some that, you know, obviously we all can agree on. But before I get into that, I just want to maybe raise awareness to the fact that, hey, we're all sinners. Remember, remember Paul talks about how all have fallen short? And I'm just wondering, you know, for us in our culture today, if because of the world we live in, which for a lot of people will say that humans are basically good, if we are tempted to think that, yeah, we think some bad thoughts sometimes, but we're not sinners. We're, we, that word's not used a whole lot in the lexicon of the culture. It's only used in religious circles. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of weird if someone were to hurt you? Let's say they're, you I mean, you know them, they're, they're a friend, maybe a family member, but they're not religious and they were to accidentally hurt you. Maybe they threw something across the room and it hit you in the face. Let, let's let's do that. And they rush over to you. They are incredibly apologetic. They feel so bad. And let's say in response, we say, that's totally fine. I forgive you of your sin. That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Now, it may have been neglectful, may have been ignorance that led to them or poor judgment leading to them throwing something across the room and accidentally injuring you. But the fact that we can be injured, we live in a fallen state, that we live in a particular life and in a world where, you know, death, decay, destruction occurs, that's been a product of sin, right? Because this wasn't supposed to be the plan at all. This was never by design. So if we were to say, yeah, I forgive you of your sin, that would be kind of weird because usually the only time that maybe the culture understands the word sin is in a phrase or idiom like sins of the father or maybe sins of the flesh, but that's more of a maybe a artistic way of describing something, something that we see in forms of media and in the film or TV or, or literature genres of entertainment where they visit those themes and those motifs. And a lot of those have to do with religious language. But as far as just common everyday language, we say, oops, I made a mistake, or yeah, I'm bad, or I'm good, what have you. But the idea of sin, in my experience, seems to have retreated even within the church vernacular, if you will, or just the common everyday language. Because if I'm asking you, the listener, right now, when was the last time you heard a sermon or did a study on the topic of sin? And it was led by somebody in the church. Not talking about you know, the idea that we need a Savior, because although 
all the while, mind you, while we are in Lent, we are reminded of Jesus's death and his preparation for the cross. Well, if we're so good, why did he have to die to begin with? I think the church has certainly, in my opinion, in an effort to reach as many people as possible, neglected the role of sin in our lives. Kind of the idea of come as you are and then stay as you are. So I'm just wondering if because we haven't been educating people on what sin is, that it's no wonder why you're seeing relativism creep into the church. We're not having these hard discussions. And let's be honest, if if Christianity was the market was was like, I don't know, living up to its own marketing slogan, its true marketing slogan, it would be terrible. It wouldn't get a lot of people in. If you just read, I don't know, if you read Genesis 3, Psalm 14, Ecclesiastes 7, Mark 7, John chapter 8, Romans chapter 3, 5, and 6, Galatians 5, 2 Timothy 3, Hebrews 10, James 4, 1 John 1, and 1 John 3, you will begin to see a glimpse of the condition of the human heart apart from God and how we exist in a natural state born into this world. And yet, if we haven't surrendered our lives to Christ, what are we doing? What is our life in body? We have the fingerprints of the Trinity in our DNA. It's a spiritual DNA with a propensity to be great holy people because of the blood of Jesus. That's based on my interpretation of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, in case you're wondering where that comes from. But I think our default state in this world, I think it's pretty clear what the Bible says about it, but I think in an effort to not offend people or turn people away, we don't want to talk about sin. And I get the fact that at least to the other people, people who are not of the church, people we're supposed to be evangelizing, there was a message of love that Jesus gave. Remember, he never had any bad things to say to sinners while he was with them. He always held sin accountable. But when he was talking about the sin of people, he was always with the people in the church. When he met those people caught in adultery, caught in sin, he he did not condemn them for condemnation's sake. He did call them higher, but he he didn't refuse to be with them. He didn't call them out for the sake of calling them out to uplift himself and like denigrate them. It was always saying, I see you where you're at. There is a higher way. Come as you are. You don't have to do anything. And he had he took pity. He had mercy upon those sinners. What he doesn't have as much mercy on and who he holds really accountable is the church. The most scorching words that Christ ever preached were to his people. And I think that's where I'm coming from is that for the people who are in the church, for the people that are there, I'm not talking about seeker services. I'm not talking about, of course, that whole concept of that is kind of funny in my mind, that the gospel message in its pure form is not going to be the most popular message out there. By definition, it can't be in a way because of what it describes. It's a narrow gate. And I just wondered if we try to widen it by not telling or, I guess, confronting the hard truths in life. So I digress. Let me ask you a few things. Given this is our, I guess, topic sentence or our thesis for this podcast today, what do you think about this question? If I were to ask you, does our culture believe man is basically good or bad? What would your answer be? Now, if it's good, you think people are basically good, okay, uh, I would ask, 
how do they define good? How do they define evil? And if people believe that they're bad, I would say, I think there's a lot of proof for that. But what's the purpose of trying to be better? If we're all bad, I don't think that's a good thing. So we want to try to flip it around, but for what purpose? So like either way you answer it, you still have to come back to how are we defining good and evil? Some of my young adults, my, my peers said uh, collectively and agreed that the culture thinks we are basically good. I'm a good person. I'm good because I'm not something or I'm not like someone else. It's very comparative, right? So the reason why I know I'm a good person is because I'm not as bad as that guy over there. I asked the next question. Does our culture believe in good and evil? We all came to the conclusion that not necessarily when you get down to it, there are vices and virtues, absolutely. But a lot of times we weigh this depending on what sentence is maybe given in a trial. That's how we weigh good and evil is the punishment. It's not necessarily the crime, it's the punishment that comes after. It kind of gives this hierarchy of good and bad. Because we can justify a lot of our behavior. Because once you get to know somebody, if you're not judging them, right? Once you know my story, and once I can get you uh, convinced that I did it for the right reasons, then suddenly the ends justify the means. Well, then I asked, well, what does the church believe about sins? About sin, sins, good, evil. And we collectively came to this conclusion that we are all sinful, that there shouldn't be a ranking of sins. But our actions betray that. And I've mentioned that on this podcast before. About, And I haven't gotten into all of this, but I think the, the particular um, conflict and division we are finding over gender, race, sexual identity is because of the church for the longest time actually did have a hierarchy of sins. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that nowadays, that when you treat certain people a certain way, eventually those people for better or for worse, are going to gain power and recognition and they will push back against their oppressors. That's just human nature. That's just world history in any particular movement. And I think we are ultimately responsible for that. But instead of having the conversation on a spiritual level, it's done on a political level because Satan likes to play the political game. He can't play the spiritual game with, with God. He has no power there. I'm not saying he doesn't have influence on spiritual people, but if you are a committed people believing in the gospel, our gospel says there's nothing that can stop us. But when you can make something political, well, then there's money involved. There's quote-unquote power, influence. And so that's where these conversations are being had. And I think the church is certainly to blame because it's been run out of fear for so many years. So I think we've talked out of both sides of our mouth. We, we like to say, no, God views all the sin the same. <laughs> he does, but we don't. Well, and then I asked, what is sin? If we had to define it, what, what is it? And we collectively came up, you know, anything that goes against God or his word, which is the Bible, uh, it's disobedience, uh, going against that that morality that God has instilled within you through in, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, and Ten Commandments are, you know, an Old Testament guide. And so, like, what what do we what is sin? And I added personally, like, it, it is us because our bodies remind us every day, especially those who are older, 
um, of aches and pains and you know the idea of this thorn in the flesh, we're reminded on in the small small ways for those who didn't have to get up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night when they were younger now have to now. And like I said, the the joint pain, just the aches. When when you take a fall, it takes a little bit longer to recover. I'm talking about those things are are a humble reminder that these bodies, these physical bodies that we have, are flawed because of the presence of sin. And one day our new bodies will not have any of those problems. No death, no decay, no destruction. So we, by default, our default nature are not good enough for the kingdom of heaven by any means. But Christ's blood covers us. That's ultimately what happens at Easter tide when when we are in this you know, particular season of Easter tide, we are reminded that we are dust, Ash Wednesday. There's nothing we can do or bring to the kingdom of God, and the only qualification is Christ's blood shed for us. That's it. I'm just wondering if we believe that. If there are those in the church that maybe haven't given all of their life to God, but they go to church, they do all the right things, say the right things. They try to be better than their neighbor because my neighbor's not going to hell. Then if I'm better than them, then I certainly will be going to heaven. I don't know. I, I feel like we're way off sometimes on this. What is our motive? I have, to, I have to ask that. That's what this podcast is for. I don't have all the answers. I just want to ask the questions. And, you know, my old workplace said, if you were going to call out a problem but don't have a solution, then don't waste our time. And so for, for us, I, my solution would be, let's just read the Bible and not be afraid to tell the hard truths. Let's actually talk about sin. What is sin? And right now we're actually having a discussion, whether we like it or not, on this topic. That you have the more progressive church. I'm not talking about political. You have the more progressive churches. You have more conservative churches. You know those who hold to the traditions of the last two millennia, and those who, because of our culture's movement, and, and rightfully so, seen a lot of injustices have pushed back against the church. And the church today, and a lot of denominations are starting having these internal schisms amongst denominations, and really starting to think about well, what do we view as sin? What is wrong? And so you have people believing that. We're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and we have those who absolutely believe the church has been wrong, and it's about time, but it's also sad that the church hasn't led this church movement. It's been the culture, which for me, I don't think the culture leading the church is a, is a good thing at all. I'm not saying we can't have these discussions. In fact, this is a podcast for those discussions. I just want the church leading the church here. That's what I'm wanting. So... It starts with our Bibles. I think we need to know our Bibles more. I think we need to get back into a Sunday school habit of, you come to Sunday, you better come to work. Have a work mentality. It's not a day off from mental preparation and spiritual preparation. It's so we can take a day off from our the, the labor and the toils of our labor, which has been given to us because of the indwelling of sin, uh, the idea of work, childbearing, childrearing, all these things, um, which are to be laborious now. We need to take a break from those things to spiritually prep ourselves. We need to go to school, and we need to have conversations like this. You know, if this is very off-putting, and maybe you've, you've listened to more progressive churches that seek to kind of diminish the role of the Bible and 
uplift the position of man, maybe do away some things that eh, are a little, little mysterious in the Bible, things that don't sit well with us, which I believe there are a lot of things in the Bible that don't sit well with me either, but I don't want to run from them. I don't want to dismiss them when I can't understand them in my finite mind. I want to run after them. But let me just diffuse all of this. Let me just say you believe you're going to go to heaven. And you're standing at the pearly gates, about ready to enter. And God says, hold up, hold up, hold up. Just, just a second. Can, can you come here, please? Um, person, um, this, you know, this is going to be a good afterlife. We're going to be here forever. But I just I have to ask, what is it that you did that has convinced you to have the understanding that you deserve or that you should be in heaven? Why do you think you belong here, basically, is the question. And let's just say for a moment you begin thinking, well, I'm a good person. Of course, we've already brought up the idea of what does good mean. And, well, I'm not as bad as all those other people that I see standing in line, so surely I must be here. And then God says, okay, that, that's good. Um, to help remind you, uh, we're going to bring a TV out here. And we're going to play for you everything on this television for your, from your entire life. Everything that you have said, everything that you have done, and every thought you have, you have that has gone through your head in your entire life. And we're going to have a jury of your neighbors, your friends, and your family. They're going to come out here and watch it with you. And we're going to live your entire life, and then afterwards... I'm going to ask you the same question. Why do you believe you belong in heaven? Are we just hoping for that like 50.1% versus the 49.9 like true metrics? Like, okay, so I thought this many bad thoughts in my life, and but I also thought this many good thoughts. I mean, that sounds really scary. And if you're being honest and you look in the mirror, and if you were to say in your own way, if you were trying to discern, well, that was a good thought, that was a bad thought, or that was kind of not really good to think, and or that was kind of really, you know, really bad, maybe not as bad as somebody else, but, you know, you, let's say you're trying to justify all these things in your head. Do you really think you're going to make it to heaven? Honestly, I think for anyone who believes they're basically good, I don't know if they're going to pass that TV test of everything they've ever thought, said, or done. Now, begs the question, does, do we, I mean, do we weigh the things, the thoughts in our head the same way we do with action? The Bible has a lot to say about that, too. Think about Jesus and adultery, how he redefined that. About anyone who looks upon a woman has already committed adultery. So don't talk to me about lust. Let's talk about where your eyes are at. I don't know. I, I think these things are worthy of mention. And it's something my young adult group, we're chasing after, and we're doing so biblically. I listed all those those passages earlier. That's just a taste of what's in the Bible from Genesis all the way through to the end of Hebrews and First John, James, Romans, Galatians, the Gospels of Mark and John. There's a lot to be said here. So if this is challenging for you, I, I, I'm, I want it to be so. It can be difficult. It can be difficult. The gospel message is hard. Remember at the end of John chapter 6, a few of his disciples, disciples, 
turned back and no longer followed him because it was a hard teaching. He was talking about his body and his his uh, his flesh and his blood, how we were supposed to consume that, not from a cannibal way, not in a cannibalistic way, but that Jesus is the life for life source of everything. And if his disciples, who witnessed a lot of his miracles and teachings, turned away, what about us? It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Well, thank you for considering what I've said during this show. Thank you again for supporting us. If there's anything that you would like to hear on this platform and this program, any guests that you'd like me to have on, please feel free to send them to us at wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining in. May God bless you and may God keep you.